0: Hey guys, welcome out to Psychology Hacks. Today we're going to be talking about how to control the dynamic in social situations. Now, I'm going to be referencing the 33 Strategies of War by Robert Greene. In chapter 15, he explains several strategies which can be used to give you the upper hand, no matter what the situation is. And while everybody will tend to favor one or two, I definitely suggest that you learn as many of them as you can, preferably all of them, inside and out. There's not a whole lot that we're going to cover today, but... Um, these are lessons that I've been using for years. I'm going to talk about them with you guys, and I'm going to give some personal examples to illustrate to help out a little bit. So I'll be covering these in a particular order, but the one I want to talk about first is the concept of assuming passive control. Now, outright power struggles are almost always exhausting, and they have the tendency to make you a target. I personally have never been a very confrontational character, um, I mean I go through phases where I am, but as a as a whole I, I don't I don't really like all out conflict if I can avoid it. So I've spent a lot of time experimenting with different methods of gaining power without actually putting myself in a precarious position. So one example in particular that comes to mind when I think of power struggles um, is one that comes from my early days working in the entertainment industry. Now, I had a boss who was very immature. We'll say. And <laughs> we'll leave it at that. And he he had this overwhelming need to be to be liked, to be in charge, to feel powerful, and just to feel like everybody loved him. Like that's what he he needed to feel like. And he would alternate between, you know, just making horrible jokes and, you know, firing people in the blink of an eye. It was a very stressful situation to be in. And none of his business decisions made any sense at all, really. And he was very quickly running us into the ground. It was kind of like if you watch The Office, it was kind of like the Michael Scott of the entertainment industry. And I can't watch that show anymore because it was funny at first, but actually having lived through it, it's not very funny. It's very uncomfortable. It's very stressful to deal with. And, you know, in hindsight, I kind of wonder if he was maybe just a narcissistic narcissistic personality. Um, and, you know, I, don't, I mean, I, I wasn't really thinking about it at the time, but it is something to consider, I guess. But all of the employees were always at odds with him, and just about everybody was butting heads with him, trying to call him out on their anything and everything. And over the course of about six months or so, what happened was that none of the original staff was there except for me. And I had also made, um, I had made myself such a key asset that I survived several corporate restructurings down the road. And when I did leave, it was on my own terms. And the reason for this is very simple. I refused to engage in any kind of head-to-head confrontation with anybody. I recognized that my boss had much too fragile of an ego to handle being beaten in an argument. So it's a it's a lose lose situation. Like you can't out argue this guy, and you can't get what you want because if you win the argument, then well, you're you're on the chopping block. You're about to get fired, you know, in a couple of weeks because I mean, he's going to find an excuse to. It won't be over that one argument, but in his mind, you know that's what that's where he's at. So the way, the way to win in that situation was to take myself out of the line of fire. When I wanted something or I thought things should be done in a certain way, I was very deliberate in how I went about things. Instead of confronting him, I would begin a conversation and then just kind of dance around the idea until he would finally pick up on it. And once he did, I would remark on, you know, what a brilliant insight he had. And, you know, well, look at this great idea that you came to all on your own. And don't get me wrong, this was exhausting. It really was. However, it allowed me to survive in an absolutely cutthroat environment. And, you know, before long, I had become his go-to. And actually, the first few times that um, I got somebody fired, and everybody else very quickly learned not to, not to cross me. And I had, you know, ironically gained power by giving it up, essentially. Um, and I did this, you know, just by allowing allowing others to feel like they were in charge, and I created a situation where I could pull all the strings without having to to be the one to take any kind of return fire. So now that was not a situation that I wanted to stay in long term, but it was a very valuable experience to learn from. Sometimes a direct approach is necessary, absolutely, Um, and it takes a certain amount of discretion to be able to tell when that is, but it's it's honestly kind of rare. Unless you're just the kind of person who's always ready to go to war with everybody, always ready to be confrontational. I'm not. Most people aren't. Some people, they have a temper, and they feel like they are, and they, they want to talk like they are, but they, get, they, they don't want to either. And you, and you see them kind of go back on what they say about themselves because it, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of effort, and it's just it's exhausting. So instead, what you want to do is you want to look for ways to control the situation without having to step out onto the forefront. And this works just as well in sales as it does in, you know, an office environment, um, in any any environment. These are principles. These are fundamentals. This isn't this doesn't just apply to one thing. You know, the the book I'm referencing is the Thirty Three Strategies of War. You know, but those strategies they apply to, to everyday life. They apply to every situation. So that's why you learn the strategies. You learn the principles, the fundamentals. You know, and you can apply them no matter what situation you're in. And in this case, if you can make other people think that they're are in control while you guide them to the correct decision, then you are in a very easily defended position because nobody can really look at you and say, oh, well, he said this or he did that. Well, you didn't really say or do anything. You facilitated other things happening with other people. So just remember that this does absolutely take a lot of work and patience. It's it's very frustrating. Um, I I think it's kind of rewarding to, to be the one, the puppet master pulling the strings, but at the same time, it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it really is. You've got to really care about what you're doing. Um, I think to be able to pull it off successfully, there has to be a reason for it. I don't choose to, to live like this. I don't go around just thinking, oh yeah, that's going to help. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to be the mastermind manipulating people. I, it's it's a lot of work. It's not, it's not what I'm about, but it is a valuable skill to have. It's something to be aware of. And you don't have to take it to an extreme either. I mean, like I said, find small ways that you can use this. Just understand the idea of it, you know. Find the principle. If you can just work it into your, to your life a little bit, you know, and just start looking for subtle ways that you can utilize this. That's all you need. I mean, I'm sure some people listening, you know, they really do need some kind of like real strategy. Like they've got something serious that they're they're, they're gonna need this for, and that's great. You know, take it all the way. Absolutely, more power to you. But nine times out of ten, the people that are, are, are looking for content like this, their lives can be, or your lives can be enhanced just by, you know, adding it into your lives in subtle ways. You don't have to go all, all out with it. And just one last point on this is that the idea of reverse psychology definitely plays into this. If you know that somebody's going to do the opposite of what you say, then just tell them what you don't want them to do, and they'll, they'll do the opposite you know, you know, there's that situation where they think that they're winning, they think they're rebelling, they think that they're doing whatever, and that, you know, you're losing here, but you're, you're really just the one intelligent enough to call the shots. And yeah, you don't get the glory of it, but I mean, you win at the end of the day, and that's what, that's what matters. So next, let's talk about the principle of keeping them on their heels. Remember that, again, these principles are universal. They work just as well in the office as in the courtroom, just as well on the sales floor as on, you know, a bar fight. So don't get too fixated on any one method of application. Okay, instead look for opportunities to practice them. You know, keeping the other the other person on their heels is a great tactic in a street fight, and it's one of my favorites. But it works equally as well in sales and negotiations, and you know, just even arguments. Uh, the older I get, the less patience I seem to have for people taking advantage of me or trying to push me around. So especially with just my ever increasing knowledge of human nature situations like that they they kind of start to turn from a fight into an experiment and it it becomes a game to see who can outsmart who you know can out outmaneuver this person can i how can i turn the tables on them you know what's the most elegant way to come out ahead because like i said i don't really like confrontation but i do enjoy winning (laughs) so it kind of works out and nine times out of ten the way that i like to go about doing this and again this is this is me this is how i've chosen to interpret these principles or this one in particular, but a lot of times I find if I can confuse somebody, it's pretty much game over. Uh, I'll keep them on their heels by just never really allowing them to know what's coming next. And I do that by leaning into my, I, I tend to be very sporadic and spontaneous when I allow myself to be. So I just lean into that, you know. In the 33 strategies, he talks about how a aggressively creating opportunities for yourself and taking the initiative before the other person is able to uh, or before they even have the chance you know that, that's an that's an excellent strategy but just the way that I like to think about it is just to keep the other person guessing you know they, they never really know what's going to happen they don't really know what's going on they don't know what's coming next and that's really honestly pretty easy to do just keep them you know I, I like to go with the whole the the, the madman approach you know you be completely unpredictable, never know what's going to happen, but a lot of times it's not appropriate, so you have to learn to tone it down. You have to learn how, well, how can I be spontaneous, unpredictable, and kind of out there in a way that, you know, what's the goal here? You know, am I trying to scare them? Am I trying to make them uncomfortable? Am I trying to confuse them enough to just lower their guard enough for me to then change tactics and suddenly be, you know, very welcoming and receptive and, you know, in that state of kind of confusion kind of slip in and you know do what i need to do you know qu- quickly alternating between different characters you treat them in different ways you know cuz when they get a sense for your personality you start to become predictable and you don't really want you don't want to become predictable at least not in a confrontational setting you know maybe in a relationship or you know with your really close friends but probably not at work i mean from the standpoint of you know, if you're a low level employee, your boss needs to know that you are somewhat predictable, that you're somewhat reliable. But in terms of like power struggles with other people, um, you, know, negotiations to a certain and sales for a certain extent, whatever your situation is, you, you don't want people to be able to figure out your next move, not reliably, anyway. So just never let them get that sense for what your mindset is. Don't really give away your values too much, at least not too early. Just keep them from making informed decisions about you, essentially. So the next principle is shifting the battlefield. So we all prefer to fight on familiar ground, obviously. And it's really important to understand that your opponents will be weakened just by having to adapt to a constantly changing playing field. And this could take the the form of a sudden change in scenery at the last minute or it might just be spread out across multiple locations, like if you take them back and forth. And really anything that you can do to alter the landscape unexpectedly, that can work in your favor. It doesn't have to be these dramatic things. Again, a lot of people listen to this. It's not about making these huge sweeping changes in the way that you approach everybody. It's about learning these principles and just applying them as often as you can in your favor. And the way that you get good at that is you start small. You don't need to start with anything big. You don't need to worry about, well, you know, this. I'm making the sales pitch. I'm going to ask him to go, you know, canoeing with me before I actually try to close the sail just to throw them off That it doesn't it's not necessary what you need to do is you need to understand how it works and you need to get good at using it to the point where you don't have to think about it anymore where it just it, it occurs naturally so for example if somebody's shy and timid because um, we're gonna we're gonna back up a little bit we talk about some of the ways that it doesn't have to be these big sweeping things it can be something small and subtle so if somebody's shy and timid you might just redirect people's attention onto them. If they're narcissistic, you might direct their attention away from them. If they're legitimately narcissistic, be careful with that, though, because they tend to be very vengeful people and very petty. Uh, if somebody is prepared to sit down and negotiate with you, maybe you instead you take them through a walk through a distracting environment. Maybe you can make the, the environment that you're in more distracting unexpectedly without taking them anywhere. You know, Maybe um, creating or eliminating some kind of background noise is going to be enough to throw them off. Maybe all you need, maybe anything that changes the battlefield is all that you need, really. And demonstrate, like just you know, switching rooms. Because if you if you show that you have the authority to control the environment just a little bit, that might be enough to get in their head and screw them up just a little bit. Now, of course, this will backfire on you if you can't back it up. Uh, if you and says, "Well, let's go sit over here," and they say, "No," well, you're kind of screwed at that point. I mean, what what are you gonna do? Like, because now. You have to you have to be careful not to overextend yourself here. And so last but not least in terms of these principles is compel mistakes. So the ideal war is one that's never fought. The more you can aggravate and sabotage the other person, uh, the less work is going to be needed on your end. So just keep them from gaining any traction by constantly frustrating their efforts and by undermining their success as much as possible. Uh, Robert Greene talks about... Playing on the emotional weaknesses as well, which is going to let me circle back around to our last episode, which is the five basic human weaknesses, fear, lust, anger, greed, and sympathy. And those are going to become a theme from now on. So if you're having a hard time remembering them, don't worry about it because they will be repeated many times. So find their primary weakness out of these—the fear, less anchor, greater sympathy. Find find the, the main one. Really lean into that one. But of course, the more you can hit, the better, because these are blind spots. They're going to have an emotional impact on them. They're going to keep them from making intelligent decisions. And you know, over time, doing this over and over again, that it will start to make them uh, make decisions that are rushed and you know not thought out very well. There'll be emotional decisions, decisions that will lead to their downfall fairly quickly honestly and you know once you have somebody worked up it becomes a lot easier to lead them into some kind of trap to trick them into doing something which again I'm not advocating that you go around tricking everybody however learn these strategies learn these concepts so that you can use them so that you you can even in subtle ways so depending on the environment that you're operating in you might not be looking for that dramatic ending. You know, Maybe you just want to throw the other guy off just enough to you know, get the edge and get a promotion or something. You're not trying to ruin their career. That's totally fine. Just do as much as you can to really absorb these. Start small. Don't worry about doing everything all at once. I really encourage that you pick up at least one of these and you focus on it to, and take it with you today and try to look at um, how you can use it in your daily life. I recommend all of them, obviously that's why I covered them, but you know a lot of people if you get fifteen twenty minutes of content, you you might not pick up everything so pick up one thing, pick your favorite one, and just use it as much as possible i mean it's easier to learn one thing at a time than it is to learn four things at a time. so you know come back to this down the road, you know reference his book, reference my podcast, whatever it's going to be online. Uh, best of luck to you guys. let me know how it goes.